Welcome to the Faith is Not Blind podcast. I'm Eric Devonier, and I'm here today with Jason Rose. Welcome, Jason. Hi. <laughs> it's good to see you. Um, we'd like to start off just with you uh, introducing yourself a little bit. Just tell us a little bit about you know, where you grew up, what your background is, maybe a little bit about your family. Yeah. So um, I grew up mostly in a little town in Idaho called Buell. It's not too far from Twin Falls. And, um, uh, but before that, my family bounced around quite a bit. So um, we were, when I was, uh, from the time I was about two and a half until I was six, we lived in Los Angeles. Um, and uh, my mom worked as a nurse and my dad was a, a truck broker. So, um, and uh, my parents were kind of growing apart a little bit. And um, my mom actually went to go see a divorce lawyer and, and said, you know, wanted to get a divorce. And apparently the lawyer was, uh, was a member of the church. He was actually a stake president. Of course, my mom didn't know that, and, uh, but as she was describing why she wanted to get a divorce, um, he said, well, I know these two young men that, you could, that could come and visit your family and, and, and teach you, and I think it would really help. And so she agreed to have the missionaries come and, wow. um, and teach my family. And the thing that I remember distinctly from that was just the feeling that I was so happy that the missionaries were there and I enjoyed them coming and, and teaching lessons. Was, excited you know when they and, were and how old were you um about six at this point so you're about six mm-hmm. and then and then where are you're still in la yeah at this uh-huh. point yeah right and then, then they they came over and taught your family yeah the gospel. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah and i remember i remember distinctly like walking around the schoolyard and you know reflecting on how happy i was and how much my family had changed in in that you know period of time with the missionaries there mm-hmm. so we'd actually been my mom had been looking for a religion to kind of raise us in and we'd gone to other churches and tried other things but this was different i, I definitely felt the the difference there and i was excited about that so i wasn't old enough to get baptized at that point but my mom got baptized and my um my older sister got baptized and my dad was less active and so he was reactivated and so that that um a lot of unity came into our family and I felt like we had a, we had a focus and I, I really liked that. And it wasn't too long after that, that we moved to, to Buell in, um, and so that change from, from big city to rural Idaho oh, yeah. was, wow. was, was pretty hard. And it was particularly hard on my mom cause she'd always mm. worked as a nurse, but in, you know, in, in small town Idaho, that was really an, an unusual thing for someone who was LDS to work outside the home. And, uh, so here was this person that was, you know, very competent and um, had a lot to contribute to the ward, but always, whenever she went to church, had to deal with that negative stereotype that surrounded women who worked outside the home at the time. And so that just gradually kind of drove her away from the church. And um, so I think that was maybe the first um, difficult experience in, in my life was dealing with the fact that, well, not everybody in my family, you know, is... is is going to church and um, kind of reconciling that. So about how old were you when your mother started to not attend church anymore? Um, about eight, yeah. So, oh, so just in a couple mm-hmm. of years, so right mm-hmm. around the time of your baptism too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then how did that affect your testimony of the gospel and of the church? Um, you know, I don't, I think it was more, um, what didn't affect my testimony, it was more like a, a problem that I felt I needed to kind of overcome. And um, because... I don't know that I, my, my testimony kind of grew organically. So from that first experience with the missionaries to, you know, and then yeah. 
um, you know, just notice as you read the scriptures or you learn things in school and you're like, oh, that fits nicely with the gospel. And so those little things kind of accumulate. And so I, you know, I felt like that's, that's how my testimony grew. And I also had good friends. When I was in fourth grade, I, um, I, met, a, I met a friend that's, you know, still my friend today. And his parents were strong in the gospel and um, kind of took me under, my, under their wing. And so I had, that, I had that experience. They would read the scriptures um, you know, at night. So if I, if I stayed over there, if it, if it got, you know, if I stayed for dinner, then yeah. after dinner we would read scriptures or I'd be there for family home evening with them. And so I got to see that, that modeled. Right. And um, the other thing was that they, um, they were very open about discussing, you know, issues in the church or, um, you know, things that, things that they, it, it was okay to talk about, you know, well, this is not, this is not going well, but we could do this or, um, you know, it was it was more open in terms of the the, the gospel dialogue they had because mm-hmm. they were more mature in the church. So, yeah. um, and, so. and so that that sort of helped you along. I mean, was it was it hard to see some of those things happening at a different house and then then feel like, well, I wish this was happening at mine. I think I just enjoyed it. I was glad oh, to okay. see you know, and I could that was that was that was nice just to have that yeah. um, that experience and kind of see, oh yeah, this is how this this could work and. You know, that's not how my family is, and I, I wish it was, but, you know, it, it, it made it okay for me. Yeah, and then, then from there, so what about your sister? Was she still going to church with you? Yeah, or? She's, no, she became a teenager, then, then she stopped coming, and, okay. um, and then, then my dad, um, my parents separated, and so he stopped going to church, and yeah, so then for a while there, I was kind of the only one that was, that was going to church, but... Um, all my, fr- you know, my, my best friend and then, then other friends that I had were all going on missions. And, um, and so it still, still seemed natural to me. My, my parents were supportive of me going. Oh, and yeah. yeah, so it wasn't, um, yeah, it wasn't that I was ever faced you know, real opposition at home. It's just things weren't, you know, textbook good. And right. so, um, so that, was, that wasn't a problem. But, yeah. uh, so you went and served a mission in St. Louis, uh-huh. and how did how did that experience help to grow your testimony? Yeah, so uh, when I when I got there, I was uh, I was really disappointed to get a call stateside, and the reason was because I felt like if I could speak a different language, I could be outside of myself, so mm-hmm. that I could you know that I would I would uh, it somehow would be a protection to me that yeah. I wouldn't have to be. Uh, I could I could have a division between oh this is this is me inside and if people reject me well they're rejecting me in another language right and right. and you know maybe that would be okay so I was really you know I was really like oh that was not expected all my other friends went to right. you know Costa Rica or Dominican Republic or somewhere you know um, uh, my my uh, my best friend his dad had been the the president of the Spanish branch and so um, you know could speak Spanish. I thought, well, surely I'll, I'll, I'll do, you know, I'll go somewhere Spanish speaking like everybody else. And, yeah. uh, um, so that was a big surprise to go. And then it, it, then I felt a little more naked, like, oh, okay. Yeah. These are people that, that I can communicate very well, very right. well with. And, uh, you know, yeah. so there's, there's no, there's no, uh, no separation there. But, um, in my mission, we had this program where you, you, you had to carry around a clipboard and you had to pretend as though you were taking a survey. So, so we, uh, it was very prescribed. So mm-hmm. you, when you went to zone conference, the, the assistants, the president would say, well, you need to, you have to open the screen door and put your foot inside it, which, you know, that's a little bit forward, yeah, right? Yeah. Especially yeah, if you're yes. a shy person like me. Sure. And, uh, and then you, you have to knock exactly seven times. And, um, 
and then you have to say, hi, we're in the neighborhood taking a survey. And we wondered you know, if, you'd, if you'd have a time to ask, answer just a few questions for us. And so that, that pretense that you were taking a survey would kind of get people mm. at least a little, you know, okay, this isn't a vacuum cleaner salesman. They're just taking a survey. Right. Um, but, uh, and then you would just sort of randomly, whatever, you know, if you saw bicycles in the yard, you'd ask about the importance of families or, right. you know, right. if, uh, you know, if it looked more like, the, oh, these are, this is a, a bachelor pad, then what's the purpose of life? And that kind of thing, you, you know, and then you try to get the conversation going from there and invite yourself in for a little message. But that, yeah. that pretense of doing a survey was, was very difficult for me because it felt dishonest, I thought. Right. And that uh, because it felt dishonest, I, I, I was like, wow, this is, this is different. I didn't expect the church to support something that was dishonest like that. And so it kind of shook me a little bit. Sure. And instead of being, being shaken in an environment where I still had you know, people around me who, who I could talk to or that would understand, now I was in this environment where right. you know, the majority was, I don't know, um, where I grew up was not majority Mormon, but it was probably minority majority, like 25% Mormon or so. But, yeah. So I always had a, you know, a good core of people around me that I could ask and then and here this kind of shook me to have the... Well, and some yeah. people that might, might not even maybe... Some, some, certainly other missionaries maybe your age who might not recognize the, the question that you have, might not be able to see yeah. it. You know, yeah, it was hard to... They, they might see it as simply a yes or no type issue, right? Are you obedient or not? Yeah. Um, but, but you're talking about... Um, for, for you, it became an issue of integrity, it sounds like. Yeah. So, so how did you, you know, and then you've got support from home, like, you're, you know, your family's really supportive, but maybe not, maybe you don't feel like you can reach out to them in the way that you could with some of the other yeah. friends that you had. I mean, so yeah. how, did you, how did you work through that? Yeah, so I, I think the mistake I made was I could have just told my mission president that that's what I'm struggling with, mm. but I was afraid because of all the training that we had around how this was inspired, and if you didn't follow this particular program, you wouldn't be successful, and obedience right. was the key, right? And so right. if you were obedient to this, this requirement to lie, then, then you'll be successful, and if not, and so that sort of answered the question for me, and I think if I would have told the mission president, you know, I'm, I'm really struggling with this, and here's why, um, but I was not brave enough to do that, and, and instead I, I started to question my own testimony, and. Um, one thing that, that didn't help was the ban on books. So you weren't allowed to have any, any books in your mission other than there was like a, a, a mission library. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. mission library, right. Yeah, so I started to look for, look for ways to, to get reading material. Um, I became a, a mail order book customer. I was ordering <laughs> books and keeping them under my pillow and then I could read when my <laughs> companion was in the shower. Yeah. And um, so trying to you know, supplement my testimony, answer questions. and. Uh, um, if, if we were, we were near a library, I'd, you know, we would stop in and I would, you know, mm. you know, see what, what, what things there were on topics of scriptures and, and Mormonism and things like that. And of course, um, you can get into things that are kind of, right. you know, not very supportive. So, uh, I remember, you know, pulling out the Encyclopedia Britannica and reading about Mormonism and there was a complete description of the, the temple ceremony in there. And I thought, oh, wow, that's quite disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> and, right, right. And it's uh, um, since changed, I think. But, but uh, um, and another time, I picked up a book that was, you know, was uh, quite critical of, of Joseph Smith and pointed out some things that I hadn't known about in, in his history. And I remember just being really shaken to the core by that. Um, so, so yeah. So, how did you work through that? Because yeah, I mean, so, so. so you you go to these books to sort of help with this issue. And yeah. for you, it's a it's a it's a question of integrity. And, and that's a really hard yeah. one because you feel that, you know, 
to your core. I mean, it's just really internal. And, and so how did, how did that reading help you or how did it shape you? Yeah, well, I think I, 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 I discovered farms and I started, this was the foundation for ancient research and Mormon studies. And I started, that's, I was started ordering books from them and, and reading them and, yeah. you know, collecting, uh, collecting Old Testament pseudepigraphy. So I, I, I walked around with quite a, quite a large library. Yeah, I was going to say, your became, luggage became must have been with like it. Yeah, but I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I just moved boxes and boxes of transfers. Um, and, uh, but what really, made, what really made the difference for me was, um, served in a ward and it was um there was a there were a couple companionships of missionaries in this ward and then there was an older couple and um so they had they had just they just had an apartment and um got to interact with them one and uh you know they just it was interesting what they did because they just lived in this they lived in this ward and they just found ways to lift and serve other mm -hmm. people so um and they're just gradually building on this ward and they would go out tracting and things. And one time we were at their, uh, we were at their home and, and, uh, um, found out that Elder Hanks had a love of Hugh Nibley books, which I also, you know, had been enjoying. And yeah. so we, we, you know, we, we shared that thing. And I said, you know, this tracting program, um, what do you do when you go out tracting? He's like, Oh, you mean the survey? I don't do that. That's dishonest. <laughs> and, and that was actually like, that just flipped a light oh, for me that, yeah. oh, you can have, you know, you can have an opinion of your own. You can, you can, you know, you can, li you can live with that, that dissonance between, right. you know, what your mission president is telling you to do. And, you can, and, and I think that's only, only fair, really. I think, you know, another one of my mistakes was to, was to imagine that my mission president was, was perfect or, uh, you know, that, that he couldn't make a mistake or, you know, that this, right. you know, and probably was a very effective program. And maybe if I had asked, I, I would have gotten over, gotten over this problem much sooner, but made it just made it a ton easier to me. It was just that revelation yeah. of, of, you know, oh yeah, you can, you can live with that, you know, do, you know. Yeah. Well, it's sometimes it's, it's not all black and white either. The right. church, either, either my mission president is perfect or he's not. And, you know, the, the church is perfect or it's not. And it seems like a silly re revelation, but for me it was, no, no. you know, it was important. So. I think it's important to see that. In, you know, it, it's one thing, I think, when, you know, when you're a young person and, you know, you have a question like that, um, it's one thing to sort of search through and to look through books and, and other things to try to find that information. And I think that's good and that's part of the process. Um, but in addition to that, uh, I think it's, it's a great thing to see a mentor, to see somebody who yeah. says something and you go, oh yeah, someone just spoke a thought I've had that I felt like I couldn't express. Yeah. And, and I think yeah, seeing good. that just alleviates, some of it's just the anxiety of having that question and asking the question, why am I different? Um, and then being able to see somebody, you know, just, oh, I wouldn't do that. That's dishonest. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that was easily solved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. And, uh, you know, and before that time, I, you know, then I, I realized I was struggling with my testimony and I, I because of that, right. Yeah. And when I talked to my mission president, I said, you know, I, I'm, I'm really struggling with my testimony. And he was just like, well, lean on mine and fake it till you make it elder. And of course that, that dishonesty there was really right. hard for me to deal right. with too. And, uh, and uh, I remember like trying to, during P days, I'd try to sneak into the overflow away from the gym so I could kneel down and pray and try to have some meaningful 
meaningful, you know, angel appearance or something that would that yeah. would switch this thing. And um, the realization that I that I came to was, you know, you've known since you were six that this church was true. You've you've had that feeling in your heart, and it's it's it would kind of be disrespectful of that for for Heavenly Father to send more witness than what you can already recall, and or it, you know, it yeah. would. It would kind of take away from that witness, and that witness has been very strong for me, you know, ever since. Uh, just when I reflect on that, and you know, how did this begin? Yes, and then I can think about things that have strengthened me as I've gone away, good, gone along, and good friends, and uh, and things that have they've held on to me, you know, they've helped me, and um, I, I've since learned to kind of live with that dissonance a little bit. Um, because uh, I see it, um, I studied physics and uh, um, gradually sort of migrated to mathematics. But um, when when you, I, I heard a quote uh, this week that was um, the most important phrase in, in science isn't eureka, it's, oh, that's funny. When you see something that's not quite what you expected to see, that that's actually going to lead to that um, dis, you know, that's going to lead to a discovery of something new that you're like, oh, that didn't fit what my model was for, yeah. for the world. But seeing that gap, um, as Elder Hafen would describe it, you know, that gap between um, reality and the ideal is actually where, where, where discoveries are made. And um, uh, a good example might be um, relativity, right? So um, according to relativity, light would have to be moving through some some medium and since sometimes it would be going as the earth moved around sometimes it would be going with the current and sometimes it would be going against the current so it would be faster or slower and you should be able to measure that and so the experiment was designed to to be able to to measure the speed of light in different directions and it turned out it was the same in all directions so oh that's funny that's <laughs> not that's not what we expected to see that's yeah. not what's described by newtonian mechanics um and that led to the discovery of special relativity. So, and that that happens over and over in science. There's, you know, we we're so excited when when data fits the model, but then um, then you discover when you look closely, oh, it doesn't quite fit the model. There's a difference. I didn't expect that. And um, and that's led to you know refinement of models. I think the important thing to keep in mind is that just because you know you had a model that was working, and then you realized, oh wait, but it doesn't describe in this particular scenario. That doesn't mean the whole model goes away, right? I mean, we, we still teach Newtonian mechanics because it works in so many of our everyday situations. But when things start traveling really fast or are really massive, then it breaks down. And that's when we have to go to, to relativity to describe those things. So you have to have a, a you, you get a more refined model, yeah. but, but the simpler model is always a special case of that more refined model. And I think if we, yeah, we think about our testimony, our vision of the gospel, we can start, you know, we start with a pretty simple picture and then we, we see, oh, there's, there's a gap here. So that's just something else to learn about and fill in. And we can not, not have to have it be perfect or worry that the whole model will go away or now be useless just because you discovered one little, you know, counterexample or one little gap that was missing. Well, that's a lot like, you know, we think about it in, in writing, right, the, that we talk about revision. Right, the, oh, the yeah. chance to be able to see something again, right? Re to revise means to see mm, it again, and so yeah. with an essay, it, it you know oftentimes the students will will want to throw something out entirely, 
and and oftentimes in revision, what we're what we're doing is you got to work with what's there. And so what it's suggesting is there are parts of the essay that need reworking. And, yeah. and it's not it's not starting over again, but it's like you said that we've realized that we've seen something that we didn't see before. I think you used the word model. Yeah. Right? We realized the model needs to be expanded. And right. Um, you know, Ken Bain talks about that in in pedagogy as well, about expectation failure. That that's that's really where mm. growth can occur is when what we expect or what we predict to have happen doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, but that's a that could be a pretty scary process though. I mean, as I think about yeah. what you're talking about. With your experience on your mission, I mean, mail ordering books and and you know, worrying about being inauthentic or or being disobedient. I mean, that's a real it's a real challenge to have to do that. Yeah. So so one of my questions is, and and I love how you describe that using physics. I think it's a really great metaphor. But how do you pass that on to like your children or to students? Yeah. Well, I I really enjoyed um, what Elder and Sister Haven had to say. I think giving them that vision of there's, you know, there's stage one and there's stage two and there's stage three. You're moving from being an, an optimist to being a pessimist to being an improver. And I think the most important thing is to be honest about, you know, where that is and help people to find resources that will, you know, that, that will help them. I think what's weird about it is you can't, you can find answers for yourself, but you can't always share those with other people because they don't quite fit people's gaps don't all, they don't see gaps in different places right right and so you can tell them how you fixed your gaps but that may not actually help there's this there's this important part of them discovering for them discovering for themselves how to how to answer those questions how to how to keep moving and yeah. um that's tricky yeah um, it is but those are the most valuable answers though right the ones that we we learn for ourselves, ourselves. right and, and even that. though you had a lot of mentors it sounds like you know through your life with your friends and and even the people at farms, you know, and those, those. Yeah, books. that's right. <laughs> but, but then you also have this older missionary couple. I mean, all those elements sort of come together to sort of help you bridge your own gap, right? And then you can do that for others. That's, yeah. that's really wonderful. Well, yeah. thank you so much, Jason. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Mm-hmm.